When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas everywhere you go. No, here it's not. This is rock and roll. Welcome to episode six of Rock and Roll. Um, Steph, been a obviously different week, I suppose, with lots of the country going into tier four. How's, how's things been? I knew we were going to start off fast, most been, and I'm going to rant. It's going to be the first half of this podcast is going to be ranting about the absolute shit show that we've had. Like, no, fuck it, I'm going to rant. So, late Rock. announcement, obviously, for the government. I was already pissed off with their plans because they moved everything and said, oh, we're going to close down for Boxing Day in Wales. And then I had a massive rant on WhatsApp groups about, oh, that's great, because everyone will bring the Boxing Day sales forward to Christmas Eve instead. And then everyone will meet up with their families, having stood around thousands of people in fucking necks the night before, having got a £15 candle for eight quid, so they can all infect every fucker else. And then they went and made it even worse somehow by cancelling it from immediately. So people with no money who are waiting to get paid, they can have fuck all for Christmas. And then people travelling to see their family, that's them knackered. And you can have one day in Wales, we're allowed one day. Because uh, one day is fine, but apparently a second day, that's instant death. And then obviously they've left it too late to actually send the presents to anyone. So you can't send anything by post now. So you've got to explain to your five-year-old that Santa hasn't brought half his presents. That's going to be fucking fun. Or you know, tell them that Santa's not real and ruin the childhood, or just give them anxiety about COVID by telling them that it's all COVID's fault. And so, yeah, it's great. It's an absolute horrific shambles. And it won't be the first time, and I know Tom had to go as well. Any opportunity I've got to kick the Tories, I'll fucking take it. But absolutely disingenuous of Keir Starmer to talk about how the Tories have fucked it up when we've got a Labour government in Wales and they've done just as good a job. So fuck them all. So that's how my week's been. On that note, oh, and topped off, and topped off on uh, Tuesday when, as I told you, I had that moment. You know that moment when you recognise someone while you're picking up your coffee. And you say, "All right, but 
and the person looks at you like you've just shit in their coffee cup because it's Gethin Jenkins and you know him, but he doesn't know you. But you didn't realise who he was in your mouth in cage before your brain did. And it's very obviously Gethin Jenkins because he looks like Gethin fucking Jenkins. So yeah, I've had a bad week. On top of my birthday plans being shit on. Shall we, shall we move on? How's yeah, your let's... week been? You've been all right? Um, yeah, apart from being massively blown out the water with uh, not much staffing in my job. But apart from that, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Oh, well, one of us is upbeat. Shall we, uh, shall we check on our third person and see how they're doing? So let's. Joining us, uh, everyone's favourite Portuguese-Irish Munster fan, living in Jersey. Uh, founder member of the Andrew Conway fan club, Patricia Vieira is with us. Hi, lads. Thanks for having me. Pleasure's all ours. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. I mean, haven't had as bad a week as you have. Well, I don't know about that, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, just been run up to Christmas stuff because we don't have half the restrictions that you guys have, so... All right, I'm a bit... Come on, yeah. I'm rubbing in <laughs> for my pain. Well, we can see 10 people, so, you know, it's not too bad. And you as I mentioned, but you were into your four as well, didn't you? Yeah, unfortunately, I'm part of... The uh, southeast in uh, in in just a South Essex, so obviously, yeah, we're in Tier Four, which is not ideal. I know, obviously, pretty much the whole of Wales is as well. So, pretty much the whole similar situation for you guys. You've been <laughs> glad to know our non-essentials have all been there, which means you can't buy toys even in essential shops. They've all been taped off, so you can see the toys before Christmas, but no one's allowed to buy them. <laughs> so they haven't gone that far with us yet. Oh uh, yeah, welcome, welcome to uh, Drakeford's Wales. <laughs> Shall we move on? Yep. Shall we move on? Shall we move on to news and some of the bit brighter, like concussion and dementia? Yeah, why not? Why not? Uh, obviously, there's a, there's a few small stories that come out this week in regards to that, and obviously Adam Hughes is one of them. I know we've got a, a, a special plan of this in a couple of couple of weeks' time, but it's just that the more that you see the stories coming out, the more you you hear of things like um, the Johnny, uh, sorry, the John Beatty uh, mentioning about the article that was was it the 70s or 80s? Someone shown him um, where there was concerns and so on on it. It's just going to be a minefield, isn't it, when it all when it all sort of fully comes out. It's also going to be a watershed moment as well for obviously for us to get it right in the future to hopefully prevent this happening to others. Yeah, that's it. So there's a, a lot more names that seem to be added to the list. Sorry, uh, Michael Lipman was quite a, a harrowing one as well this week. We said mm-hmm. that you could ask me what I did this morning, and I couldn't tell you. Um, with every name Gordon, and story, Gordon, that comes... Gordon Darcy as well, didn't he? Gordon Darcy said that he was starting to kind of recognise that he was forgetting stuff that he felt like he shouldn't be forgetting. Mm. Yeah, I, I, it, it seems there's an old generation mm. that, that's been badly affected by this. And he said when it's come out, and I know World Rugby have tried to say that there's, um, they, they didn't know certain things, but then there seems to be articles coming out where things mentioned yeah. where it very much seems like more was known uh, and perhaps not as much done as should have been. Obviously, we'll we'll find out about that as, as things start to come out within the court case. And I think it could be a really long, harrowing, mm. uh, drawn-out process. As you said, we have got uh, a special coming up in the new year. We'll be asking people for their questions when we look at the legal side of things and, and bringing in an actual expert, not just me rambling on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it seems genuinely terrifying uh, on a humanity level and for the sport I mean, the, the timeline doesn't look good for rugby with regards to the way things are done. You look at NFL and the, the research that went in and it doesn't look great in terms of how rugby has acted, whether we'll see a difference once the evidence starts to come out and we see what's been done behind the scenes and what players actually knew. Obviously, that'll be the the telling thing and that that's obviously what the case is for. But yeah, from an outsider looking in, it, it doesn't look great at the moment. Every time a new story comes out, it's just, 
it's heartbreaking to read it. Like, you know, um, every player that, and it just seems to be just more and more every day. It just seems like every day you open Twitter or you open whatever and there's someone else is telling their story. And yeah, I think like Steph said, it's, it's going to be a long time. I think, I think it'll be drawn out for, it could be years um, that we'll be still hearing about this. So. I think it's worrying as well when you look at some of the people who've got involved who are not involved with rugby generally. Yeah. Like Chris Nowinski, mm-hmm. I mentioned last pod, who obviously is someone who knows a lot about concussion himself, got involved in college football and then uh, WWF. And then, you know, there was uh, one lawsuit that's been settled and one that, that they keep dodging. And then you've got uh, Dr. Malu, who was the one who started the, the NFL case. And, you know, all credit to him when he started the, the research in the NFL, told them that, you know, it was so they could act properly going forward and prevent this. They kind of felt like he was trying to sabotage the, the game and so did nothing. But I think for him getting involved and saying, like, rugby needs to get this sorted straight away, they need to settle as soon as possible, they need to make sure otherwise the game's going to slip out of the public conscious. Mm. I mean, for the most part, it's not massively in the public conscious. Now maybe, you know, we, we'll speak a little bit more. In um, Ireland and Wales, perhaps it's a little bit more as well than, than in England. But it's not massively a big game. Hence, the money's mm-hmm. not coming into the game. The sponsors are not coming into the game. It's a very worrying future yeah. for the sport. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it's not, obviously not, not a great situation to be in for that either. Um, talking of money coming into the game, Pro 16 and not a Pro 14. What's your thoughts on that? Um, I'm, I'm all for it. I know there's plenty of people, especially in Wales, seemingly were not. Plenty of people who... Uh, having a little grump and a groan about there and about how oh, it's another four teams coming in with bringing no fans to games. and they, For me, it's four competitive teams coming into this league. I think you, there's a, a big gap between who's competitive and who's not at the moment. And it's very, very noticeable between the two. Mm. I think when you bring in four competitive South African teams who've been playing alongside some of the best teams in the world in Super Rugby... That can only be good for the league and bringing in sponsorship and TV deals as well. I completely agree. I think there is a bit of a gap, kind of, it's Leinster and the rest really, isn't it? But like, I think bringing in four more teams can, um, it'll really help to like, just just boost the league. It just kind of beefs it up a bit, you know, there's just, there's more more teams, more chances for, for games, for teams to get better and for teams to, you know, play against quality opposition, I think. Yeah, we um we were going to use this as a as a laid law this week because I'm because Steph asked me what my opinion was and I'm still sort of fifty fifty because part of me thinks it'd be great like we you both said it'd be great for obviously getting the competitive teams in making the league stronger and bringing the money into the game as well and part but then also I've got the side of it going do we need them to come in because are they just in there to be in the Champions Cup do they want that exposure um playing a second for example a second string dragons team on a friday night playing at home against the kings for example whatever chance them playing at home on a friday night against the first choice stormers is a different thing i know those players are going to develop um so i was i'm a bit sort of torn so i didn't want to go ahead with having that as a as our label this week because i'm not fully on one side or the other 
But I think what they bring as well, obviously they're bringing a lot of money or they will bring a lot of money with them. Mm. We've seen that massive increase in budget when two teams came in with two lesser teams. Mm. So when you bring in four teams that actually engage a nation as well, and a nation as rugby mad and as big as South Africa, that should enable the other teams to pick up a little bit of budget and bring in a few more players and strengthen their squads who can compete. And I think it's great that they can get into Europe. Absolutely superb. I don't see the point in having South African teams in here if they can't. Mm. I think by saying, yeah, you can qualify for Europe, that's what makes it good, that's what makes it competitive, personally. And obviously, when you just touched on about it gives us a chance of signing new players, um, I see that Northampton are signing a new player today. Raylan. Raylan. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I know they're struggling. I think that that's a a panic buy if they've got out and signed Raylan. Probably a supermarket sweep. Um, it was one of my favourite things because I was flicking through Twitter and then that came up <laughs> I was like, hang on, what? What's going on here? And then someone said he seems more like a Quinn signing Apparently, but, uh, apparently he's, a, he's a flanker, I heard I might, I might have misheard that but I'm not too sure You leave Raylan alone He lives locally to me actually I love Raylan. And I know people that know him so. I, I spent a long time hating on Raylan about him always being on my telly and I quietly love Ryland now, especially I on Celebrity Gogglebox. Yeah, I love yeah. him. I just love him. He is him on Celebrity Gogglebox with his mother. Yeah. I've got a lot mm. of time for yeah. that. Yeah. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, and then the other bit of the news that came out this week and last couple of days, <laughs> I suppose, Harry Williams stroke Exeter being conspiracy theorists over COVID. What's your take on that, Patricia? They're talking bollocks, really, aren't they? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think someone in Exeter needs to take their phones away from them, maybe. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's it, really. Well, I think we know now why they wear those headdresses. Obviously, it's to cover up the tinfoil hats that they've got on. Because <laughs> we had Harry Williams first, then there was Rob Baxter calling him interesting and yeah. not saying it in a sarcastic, ironic way. Henry Slade has come out and, and sort of backed that up a little bit. And uh, Jack knows, mm. yeah, he's always been on the edge. But like, I, I think we all know what's really happening here. Like, it's all, we always know who's behind these kind of things. It's obviously, it's a conspiracy by Saracens, right? <laughs> so you, no, you me out, right? They obviously created the virus so that they can microchip the Chiefs players yep. and stay the leading team in Europe, stay dominant. I th- these companies that we thought were, you know, for shady underhand financial deals, who proper, they're obviously some sort of science lab creating the vaccine and the virus. Yeah. But it's carried on on 5G. So they're using Tony Rose own Southwest Comms technology against him. It's, it's clear to see when you look, when you dig a little bit deeper, right? That's why they accepted their punishment because they knew they'd go down to the championship. They can't play any games. You can't catch the virus if you're not around the virus. They're all self-isolating and they're fine. New Zealand doesn't have it because there's no joy in them going to New Zealand with it. They don't play. They, they are chiefs, so they're crusaders anyway. And who was the first player you remember self-isolating with COVID? Marco. He was obviously <laughs> the guinea pig. It's clear to see once you look, open your eyes, right? And look at me. Look me in the eyes and tell me Nigel Ray doesn't look like a Bond villain. <laughs> 100% they've done it. I bet if you look hard enough, they've got an academy in Wuhan. Right? I know the truth, Tex. I believe. But if you look deeper, you can clearly see this old COVID <laughs> is a scam by Saracens to remain dominant in world rugby. You heard it here first. 
Any more news? Do you want to touch on stuff? Do we move on to the weekend? <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead on that. Yeah? So um, let's start at the beginning, I suppose. Friday night. Um, wonderful 28-0 victory for Scarlets. It all sort of took off a bit quick because I was uh, getting ready for work on Friday morning and I seen the, the Bath, I think it was Friday morning, it was Thursday night, and I seen the Bath news that their game was going to be called off. They claimed that they had 12 players who had to isolate. And I was trying to do the maths because Scarlet's had one positive test and two players isolated with said player. The Bath said they had 12 so I already couldn't work out a one positive Scarlet thing. What, what role he could have played in the game that meant he only came near two of his players, but 12 Bath players. Then everything was going on as normal. Bath called their game off because of it. Toulon turned up at Parker Scarlet and then decided, no, fuck that, and got back on the bus. And so I, it was all a bit bizarre because then my tweet suddenly became loads of people replying to me going, it's off now, it's off now. And suddenly I got caught up in this big storm of what was happening. Seemingly, from where I can work out, they didn't realise that the rules on testing in Wales are different to the rules on testing in France. Yeah. And that the rules on testing for the Champions Cup would allow the Welsh system to be acceptable. But they were expecting a second lot of tests between the Monday tests and the game on Friday. Which was never going to happen. Well, because as far as the scars were concerned, they'd stuck to protocols. Mm. So it's a little bit like Toulon should have looked at It's really bad to realise that while you're at the stadium. It's even worse to just drive away. I, I think as well when they got offered that you can play the game on Sunday, in which case there's enough time to get tests because tests can come back in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Well, less than 24 hours, if we're completely honest. Um, so... It, for them to then turn that down makes them and Bath's motives seem a little bit different, especially with Bath, who are pretty much done, I think, was the feeling. And so I don't think as soon as that opportunity came up and it was to play without a certain number of players, I think they were always going to say, ah, oh, knock her on the head, so that's when we'll concentrate on something else. Toulon's is really weird, and I don't understand what they're doing or what they're playing at. Maybe but yeah, they, it was... Maybe they thought the Scarlets were going to put 40 points on them and thought they'd just take a 28 points... But the worst part of the whole thing Mm. was that all my birthday plans I had left revolved around that bastard game. (laughs) And so I just sat in my car like, I'm not rushing home now. So that's when I went and got food. So yeah, it just added to my shit weekend. Not that I want to keep complaining because I was talking today about positivity. And Mm. uh, so far I've had a lot of time moaning about things. (laughs) Obviously, the game that was played on Friday night was the Wasps and Montpellier game. What did you make of that game? Obviously, the main thing was the red card, which mm-hmm. was like a perfectly legitimate red card. There was no kind of getting away from that, really. And I mean, like sometimes red cards kill games. Some people think that red cards kill games. I thought it was a good game. Like yeah. it was competitive for enough of the game that you kind of got sucked in. And you were like, oh, you know, Montpellier were ahead at one stage, a man down, and then obviously Wasps kind of ran away with it a bit like you know they won with a bonus point um they scored some lovely tries obviously Alfie Barbary is that how you say his name he's yeah. he's all right with me he's um he's quite he good. looked very good he was he he's younger than me which is a bit upsetting I don't <laughs> like when they're younger than me <laughs> if, if that's upsetting for you imagine how we feel yeah. <laughs> um but yeah I mean two weeks ago Jack Willis was the second coming of you know, English rugby, and now now it's, now it's Alfie Barbary, so... 
that's the way to see, I guess. Yeah, I think they summed it up at the end with the fact that he was a hooker playing eight to one to be a centre. I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was he was so good. He was everywhere. Yeah. Like even watching watching the highlights, I watched the highlights again today, and even if you like skipped through, and every time you skipped, they were saying his name when mm-hmm. the highlights came back yeah. on. He was he was all over the place. As a Welshman, I don't like how many quality back row players England seem to be developing at the moment. No. I think it was quite a, a joke for years how they couldn't quite find a back row that worked. And mm-hmm. now it feels like they've got about nine of them. Just, yeah, just rotating scary. players in. Yeah, I, I don't like this. I don't like this. But I'm with you. The red card is a red all day for me. Yeah. And I don't think a red has, has ruined a game for, for ages. Is this thing that people no, still it hasn't, keep talking but it's, about? Yeah, no. it's something that people say. People just yeah. throw it out like, oh, that, when their team lose because they got a man sent off and the red card ruined the game. No, you just lost. No. Like, and it was a great game. And yeah, it may be enough to swing who wins the game at the end, but that's kind of the point. If yeah. you don't like it, don't smash people in the fucking head. Like, exactly. The whole point of the red card is that it's a punishment. So stop doing it. So yeah. it was just reckless more than anything. He, he comes in, he's never really in control because he's running at full pelt. He never slows down to make that tackle. Mm. And that's what kills him because the player is ducking slightly. He is dropping because of the way he's taking the ball. But if he slows down, he can make that tackle legitimately. But because yeah. he comes in reckless and full steam, it's always going to be a red. And I mean, he clobbers him straight in the face with the shoulder and then hits him so hard that his arm wraps around and catches him on the other side of the head as well. So, mm. yeah, it's a definite red for me. I had Alfred yeah, Bobby Abbey as, as well for how good he played. He was, he was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. And then my other thing was, uh, has Bismarck grown? Was it just me or did, did, did Duplessis look about nine foot every time there was a scrum? Every time that uh, Duplessis went to pack down, my father was like, uh, you know, once in Snatch, when gorgeous George turns up and they're all on both the sides of him. He's a big man, that's for sure. Like, that's... <laughs> I apologise, yeah, awful attempt at the idea. But that's my father's reaction every time he came on telly. Look at the size of that rocker. Who's he? <laughs> and he was like, it's stupid it's, it's to used to play for South Africa. And then every time for 80 minutes, or however long he's going to play, just constantly, how big is that rocker? He's fucking big. Let's watch the game. Um, obviously, then we move on to Saturday. Um, A bit of a... Bit of a weird game on Saturday morning, the first one, because I think everyone thought they'd watched the Leinster Saints game thinking it'd be completely one-sided and it'd be 40-50 points because Saints were supposedly put in a second-string team, but it was, uh, it was a lot closer than everyone thought, I think. I, I'm not one to defend Leinster, right? But, I mean, they've got a lot of injuries themselves and picked a few more up along the way as well, on the weekend. I don't think it was ever going to be in doubt that Leinster were going to win it. No. Personally, for me, anyway. And I'm keeping a check on the scores and everything. And then you were messaging me going, this is unbelievable. And I'm like, great, I'm stuck outside Lush in Cardiff trying to get my <laughs> my friend's daughter a present. Um, which, lucky I did, because lockdown happened. But, um, yeah, so I, I watched that back. So maybe it takes it takes a little bit away as well then, I think, as to, to how much it was. So I'll, I'll leave you to discuss the how close it was and how tense you were feeling. And, but for me, my, my one takeaway again is that red card is another, uh, or the would-be red card for Tom, that's a definite, that's a red card. Like we started this news with concussion and how we should be taking it seriously mm. and how things should be done. And then someone smashes a shoulder into someone's head, whether it's intentional or not, play on. Yeah. yeah. Um, looking at it, I think it, was, it wasn't necessarily tense as in, the other games we'll touch on in a minute, how close and nip and tack. But I think Saints were always in it in, until probably like 60. 
Um, you never thought Leinster would lose, but the Saint, Saints definitely gave them a, a harder game than I think everyone was imagining. Um, some of the, and even playing the likes of like Izikwe, who I thought was brilliant, and he can be yeah. he can be hit or miss. Um, Furbank playing at ten, which is the second game ever at ten, did okay. Um, mm. But I just think Leinster doing enough but not being spectacular, but also not being full strength. So you expect that result, I suppose. And it was a bit a bitty game, but they come out on top of the end. Yeah, I don't know if it's just a general watching Leinster thing, but I mean, it ne- never for a second did you think they were going to lose. Yeah. Like they won with a bonus point. They still won quite comfortably, even though you can say that they didn't play that well. And I don't think they did. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they were, I thought they were poor. And I, I mean, I hope, I hope they play like that on Saturday, to be honest. I mean, it'd be great if they did, but it was one of them where it was like, like you say, they lost, they have a few injuries anyway, and they lost Doris and Harry Byrne in the warm-up. Uh, one of them j- literally just before kickoff, Harry yeah. Byrne had to pull out. So um, obviously that disruption was would have harmed them, but they were playing against, I mean, Chris Boyd said that they weren't really that fussed anymore because they'd mm-hmm. lost at home um, last week. So it was, kind of hard to figure out whether like Northampton were just up for it or Leinster were just poor or it was a bit of a mixture. It was kind of a weird game to watch, yeah. really. I want to know how long Northampton have been no fussed for. Cause <laughs> Probably I since make, they that, lost won the Premiership, is not it? Is that, is that tw- I make that 12 games on the bounce that they've lost now. I don't know if that's right. I, I went back through because I knew it'd been a while they hadn't won this season. I make that 12 games in all competitions that they've lost. Uh, I think the they've won win- two of their last 18 games, I think. That might not be right. I think I heard someone say that on the TV on Saturday. That could be the last win, I think, I've got down is the 22nd of August. So that's, that's good. unbelievable, especially when you consider there's not really been an off-season yeah. in between yeah. there. So they've gone <laughs> that long. And that was right in the middle of the period where some teams were forced to play their kids because they were having to rest people in yeah. the so that could have even yeah, been maybe, like a Leicester yeah. second team or whatever it was, couldn't it? I, they beat London Irish that win oh, okay. on the 22nd of August. That's how poor. Mm. So they might not have been asked for this, but if they could be asked for some games, it'd be nice. Because, yeah. uh, well, maybe Ryland will get a game. He might well do, yeah. He's open side next week, are you? I can't wait to see his try gif. <laughs> um, I hope they make him do one. I do hope they make him do one. They might as well get commerciality and all that and PR. They might as well make him do it, innit? Are they the first ones to do the awful try? I see. I, I know people have done, but to an awful level, Saints were the first ones I remember thinking, Jesus Christ. I think it was the tool, the tool station. It was yes. when they were with tool station and it was just every one of them was holding a drill or a saw <laughs> and you were just like, just get it off you, my timeline. Using a spirit level like a shotgun. Like all sorts of weird shit going on. And yeah. My biggest disappointment in Northampton was we never got to see James Askell's try. Yeah, if. he never scored, yeah. We he got to played. see the god-awful uh, WhatsApp signing announcement that they made with Can I Bring My Digger? But we never got to see his try gift. And I'd, I'm sure probably after the license death, they'll, ask you, they'll send it to you. Do you if I messaged him? Yeah. Let, DM him and see if, he can, see if he's got it. All right, I'm on it. Um, okay, and then obviously we moved on to the next game, which is the Gloucester Ulster game. It's a bit of an odd one for me because I watched this game, and this was the one game at the one time over the weekend where I ha- actually had something planned that I couldn't afford to play, sit, sit in the house and watch rugby. But I ended up sitting in the house and watching rugby, and it was a great game. Just stumped on it. I didn't expect the game to be as open and as good as it was. Obviously, the cards didn't didn't necessarily help, but um, 
fantastic win for Gloucester well, in the end. Well, no, it did help. It, it opened the game right up. It was fantastic. No, it, yeah. <laughs> they have more cards than I did for my birthday. It was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, uh, three, three penalty tries, which I know I, I give uh, the COVID cup a kick in every week, but that would have made penalty try the joint top scorer if that had happened in there. Yeah. Three mm-hmm. tries. <laughs> that would have been uh, Jamie George, and who was the other one? And Nadolo played one game. Nadolo, I, I, yeah. I knew he was very excited by that fact. That, that was his stat that he learned. But uh, yeah, it was a bizarre game, wasn't it? And I lost, uh, I thought I'd blown it with uh, Louis Reese Samit's yellow card. Because mm. I think mm-hmm. I also put 17 points on yeah. while he was off. Then they went down to 13 men. And after they went down to 13, Gloucester failed to score a point. Well, he was off, so it was all, and I thought, ah, that's that's them. Then, like, if you can't take advantage of that, but yeah, what do I know? Patricia, coming from obviously Irish rugby, the young guy could, could come on at the end, Mac Wright. I think that was his debut, I believe, and got yellow card after the first minute. It's not going to be ideal for him, I guess. Yeah, um, I thought this was a good game. It was one of the ones I enjoyed watching most as a neutral because obviously watching the monster game the first time, I wasn't enjoying myself at all. Really, I was felt like I was going to be sick, but um, I really thought. Like Ulster had a really great start to the season. They're unbeaten in the Pro 14. And I I just thought they were just going to go away and win. I didn't think there was kind of anything in it. And then obviously, like I said, you know, penalty tries and yellow cards. And it was a really good win for, for Gloucester. I thought I thought their last minute winner, I thought that was going to be the comeback story of the weekend. Um, obviously it wasn't, but... Uh, Look, yeah, no, I... I... I know people won't be able to see this, but she's absolutely beaming as she said that. <laughs> I'm so happy. Just to say on the yellow card, uh, being carded in the in the first minute, I once got carded in the first minute to come in on. Obviously, the, the one quite as high stakes a game. But first ruck I went into, I got carded for playing the ball on the floor, which is the lag I wasn't. And uh, I got simping for repeated offences. <laughs> Even though you just covered it. I first, first, it wasn't even a minute. I was on seconds. Well, so yeah, I repeated offences and I went straight back off. Didn't like, didn't like the look of you. No, I didn't get to make a tackle, didn't get the, to touch the ball bar at the bottom of the ruck. Yeah, straight back off. So, well, the only the, the note I made about that one yellow card was the fact that I think his debut coming on for Ulster was quicker than Will Jordan's for New Zealand. Because oh, my <laughs> Jordan, Jordan came on and got uh, HIA straight away. And this guy, McElroy, came on and got a yellow card within seconds. I think I even looked at the team sheet. He came on in the 73rd and got yellow card in the 74th. So uh, not ideal for him. Will Jordan's been added to the uh, penalties. He's, he's a pound every time you mention him. A little bit of richest charity in South Wales. I still owe you a pound, actually. No. You still owe me three pounds. Three? <laughs> um, but yeah, according to the next game, then, you wanted to do... A, yeah, so my, a, my little segue... Is yeah, simply, and I make notes for every game. My segue into the next game is Ryan, be quiet, simply let Patricia talk. <laughs> um, before you do, can I give you what was Bayfield's uh, segue into the game? Because he said, What drama? Talking about the, the Ulster game, and we're expecting the same from our next game. And I thought, Fuck off, like that's going to live up to that game. <laughs> and then I leave Patricia talk. <laughs> um, I mean, the game was just absolutely dictionary defi- definition of take your points when they're available to you. I mean, I'm like JJ Hanrahan, you know, it was 24 points off the tee, I think. Yeah, it was. And like that, you know, that clearly wins the game. And, you know, it it started, it didn't start well, obviously for Munster. Um, 
Alibi. Twenty seconds. Twenty seconds. <laughs> and I was like, surely this is a nightmare, and I haven't woken up yet. Like this can't actually be happening. And then it's the first quarter. They were monster. Were horrendous. Like they couldn't gather a restart. Shane Daly, obviously, with a deliberate knock on and um, gave away a penalty try and a yellow card on his birthday as well. It was his birthday on Saturday. Not probably not the best start to his uh, to his birthday, but um. It was the and the defense was it was comical. I was you know you're just kind of shouting at the TV like when um, Penno scored his try. I know they were a man down, but there was no defender outside the post. And we're like, why are you all like where are where is anyone like why is there not at least one person out there? And it just it I don't know like Caron had the bonus point after 23 minutes I think, and after that it kind of they kind of were just out of the game and almost felt like um obviously not watching it live it was kind of, you know, three points, three points, three points. And kind of at half time they were twelve points behind. And I remember I genuinely thought, they're kind of in this, which was funny. Like I kinda of laughed. I was like, <laughs> they're not they're not out of this. They're only twelve points behind. Um but I didn't think, you know, obviously short of something really special. I didn't think it was gonna it was actually gonna happen. And then they kept kicking their points. The forwards absolutely destroyed Claremont in the second half, I thought like they just, Claremont couldn't get a scrum, they couldn't get a mall going at all. And they obviously started leaking penalties and JJ was, had his kicking boots and that was it really. It was, it was unbelievable to watch. It was, oh, it was amazing. I think having watched Claremont Bristol the week before as well, where Claremont started in exactly the same week, like they came out the gate, and but never really relented to the point of they mm. put 50 whatever points they scored. And yeah. I know Bristol scored plenty in return. But then when they started that way again, and you go, oh, shit, like this this could end up being the same again. That you start getting Claymont's name on a trophy already. Yeah. I was a hell of a fight back. And I, I think the turning point where you think, yeah, they are going to do this, uh, CJ Stander being a smug little fucker, um, when he holds, mm-hmm. I can't remember who he holds up. It but was about four Munster players in, and CJ with just that smile on his face. He kind of thought, yeah. they, they know they've won now kind of thing. But it was just, I watched the game again yesterday because I wanted to watch it again. I only watch it every day. But um, <laughs> it was... That's your Christmas sorted. Yeah, it was It was kind of funny to watch it, obviously, without the, you know, like the, the drama and everything of watching it live. But watching that second half, like, they managed the game exceptionally. And I just thought, like, watching it back, they look comfortable and it doesn't look in doubt, even though they're coming from, you know, 12 points behind at half time away against Claremont. It, it never looks like they're they're panicking chasing the game. It just looks like, okay, we're just going to kick a load of penalties. And then what really, what really told it for me is when I think they kind of knew they had them was JJ had, you know, gone to the post every time. And then when they were six points down with, you know, 10 minutes left or uh, was around that. And he just said, no, I'm kicking this one to the corner. Like they, it kind of just felt like, yeah, they, we're going to score a try now to go ahead. And that's kind of going to be that. It just felt like they knew what they had to do and they knew that they were going to do it. It didn't look, they didn't look like they thought they were going to lose coming out of halftime, I didn't think. And then someone who definitely deserves a mention and one that you tipped us off about a while back, Josh Witchley looked absolutely superb, didn't he? He had a brilliant game. And that first scrum where, I mean, it was completely illegal from Slimani, yeah. but, you know, when he stood up and he, he had him lifted, um, you know, Josh Witchley is, is 21 years old. He's still in the academy. It would have been so easy for him to just, crumble after something like that against a prop like Slimani and he just had him every time after that and that one where they were in their own 22 and you heard Gavin Coombs because obviously the stadium is empty you hear Gavin Coombs saying Josh you have him you have him 
and Munster win the penalty and it kind of just felt like yeah I'm not he's not scared of them and he had no need to be he was I thought he was brilliant he was um player of the match for me I would have given him player of the match but 100% for me as well yeah uh, Lisa, that phrase is completely illegal, and I had a rant about it on Twitter. And then someone reminded yeah. me and said, Since when has Slimani ever scrimmaged legally anyway? So, yeah, all right, good point. But even on that one, Slimani, you could already see, is angling in. And I think he gets a little bit cocky. I think he's already thinking, Well, I've got I've got Witchley here, so he's angling in mm-hmm. to come in on the Ucker. I'm afraid the Witchley absolutely does the job with the loose edge of the and ripped him to bits with this absolutely superb. Yeah, he's he for, for a boy game. at 21. Mm. Playing a prop, I, we saw it with with Carrie. You, know, you can be a big guy, you can carry well, you can be a good scrummager, but at the top level, still become exposed if you know your techniques not exactly spot on. Yeah, obviously, wants to have way. three three loose head injuries at the moment, and to have him come in like still in the academy and put in a performance like that. Monster have never won in the Stad Martian Michelin before. I think they've won away against Claremont, but not in that stadium. So. To obviously put in a performance like that on your first European start, it's just he was just he was just Incredible. brilliant. It could, couldn't have been better. And then the other thing I took from that game was how wonderfully happy Matt Carley seemed to be as the ref. He seemed to be like laughing and joking with everyone. There's not necessarily the way he was controlling the game. It's just like people would would have a go at a decision, and he'd be like he'd smile, he'd be smiling about it, and like be matey, I suppose, and not trying to officiate it and just be part of it. And I thought that was that was good to see. I know we've got uh, a properly qualified ref uh, amongst us, but for me, playing, if you've got a ref who's like that, it makes everything a lot easier. I much prefer, I know people will complain and people had a moan about Nige being, or, you know, he's telling you, but for me, it's a person on a pitch. And if you've got a person like that, there's nothing worse than a vicious prick, mm-hmm. or there's nothing worse than someone who laughs and jokes in a condescending way. And I like that. I like being able to say, I'm a talker as well, you know, what I'd like to have a conversation with the ref on the field. I like to make jokes with the ref. I like to talk. It makes it easier if you've got someone like that and you feel you can approach and can tell you something. And if you're doing something wrong, can tell you without feeling like you're being a naughty schoolboy. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big fan of that. I, I really like that. I can't remember the one, there was one moment that, um, Stood out, I can't remember what it was now, but there was one where he is literally like he's, he's giggling, he's with the meat, yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah. telling a joke, and yeah. So I don't know how Patricia feels because I know that she's she's ref games, and um, I think he crossed that line into condescending a couple of times. There was a couple of times where I was like, oh, just like I don't know if it's just his face or what it was, but it was, but I like generally I agree, and I thought he like there was no. There was no call that went either way, really, where I was, you know, like, that is a howler from that referee. Like, you know, all the yellow cards I thought were perfectly fine, all legitimate yellow cards. And, you know, the penalty try for um, when Daly got sent off, I thought was absolutely fair game. Like, they definitely would have scored because it was only O'Mahony that was running out and he's not going to catch Penno and whoever else was out there. Hmm. But, yeah, I thought he had a good game, reffing-wise. I think it was, and I agree with what you're saying generally about the ref not being, like, just, mean to players almost sometimes like it, it makes I think it makes the whole thing a bit more relaxed but I thought there was some times where he could have done without it I think that's fair enough the next game on uh, on Saturday was Sale I watched it but like I wasn't you know it was just after the Munster game so I wasn't really it was on TV but give it was a shit. <laughs> yeah I wasn't really watching it you know um, but obviously it was an away win for Edinburgh which is you know that's a positive for them coming into the rest of the season you know to win away is that's what you're you're trying to do so Thought that was good for them. I thought Bill Matter played well. That was something that I did notice from what I was watching. Um, the bits I saw anyway, I thought he played well. So yeah, that was it. So really. 
an evergreen statement. I think they build Mark the played well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's very, very puts in a poor performance for Blade with him. And he's always a joy to watch as well. Mm. Um so Steph, the uh Osprey's and Dragon games on, on Saturday night. It's again echoing what I've said, maybe not so much last week, but um George North looks absolutely rejuvenated. I think we all wanted him back playing in Wales in the open. He could get a little bit of rest and a little bit of home comforts. And obviously he settled down with, with Becky and the baby and he's playing some fantastic rugby again. It's like getting the old George back. And I know I talked mm-hmm. about it with Lee Halfpenny as well, where we've got this sort of resurgence in Welsh players who, who carried us through in previous years looking good again. George North looks absolutely exceptional. Maybe uh, the Castro's game was a the cast game was a little bit um, quiet compared to this, but absolutely superb. And Toby Booth's come in and given them a little bit of structure again, a little bit of confidence. They're playing well. It looks, dare I say, like the old Ospreys are coming back, as opposed to the one we've had the past few years. Again, not at that level at the minute where they're going to be competing in Europe. They're going to be competing for the Pro 14 or Pro 16 or Pro 12 or whatever we've got that particular year. But it's definitely a massive progression compared to this endless chicken, clueless, aimless Ospreys we've seen in previous years. And I said it to you now, I'm a Scarlet's fan and I take no joy in watching the Ospreys struggle. Like I want to be there competing with them. I don't want them to be struggling and laughing at them or, you know, like like some fans think uh, do. I, I want them there competing. I want us to go toe to toe and I want it to be absolutely superb and competing with the top Irish teams and, and competing with the Scottish teams for a Pro 14 title. So it's absolutely great to see them back. The massive down, I don't know if you've seen it, is Sam Parry's knee. Yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ, that's one of the worst that. I've seen. I, I, I missed how he did it. i seen it, he was in a lot of pain, and then i seen the picture after. I've just seen but the picture however after, he's done but... it. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, that was a, that's a particularly bad one, and so hopefully he'll get uh, well soon. Obviously, he's been part of the Welsh setup. He's been playing some decent rugby, so... Hopefully we'll see him back and playing soon. But that was a that was a really nasty one. But a good job of the stitches by the doctor, fairly. The only other point that I want to make about the Ospreys is uh, how key is Steve Myler being? Yeah, and I don't know if that's sort of what they missed a little bit as well. Is just a, a nice controlling nine and ten. Suddenly they've got two good standoffs in there to um, to guide that game to give them a little bit of an experience, mm. like. I'm a big fan of Sam Davis, and I think he, he's doing well at the Dragons. I think he, he is a, a player of the quality to be playing at that level. But again, he's he's a young lad when he come into that setup with a few big names in there, a few older heads, a few players who are perhaps a little bit intimidating. What we've seen since he's gone to the Dragons is he's a little bit more vocal, he's a little bit more demanding, and suddenly he's become the big player at that club, but I think he never really looked like that at the Ospreys. Mm. So, Myla coming in with bags of experience, he's done it at the top, he did it when Northampton was still good. I think suddenly that structure with Booth and with him in there, I say Ospreys are looking good again, with some players to still come back, they're not still not up to their full complement yet. So, hopefully this is the... Uh, the stepping board for them where they can keep going higher and higher after next weekend. You just touch on Sam Davis. I watched obviously the Dragons game as well and, and they go, in, go into Bordeaux away from the Dragons without Rodri Williams starting, without Jamie Roberts, without Sam Davis starting. Oh, sorry, anyway, would be massive. Sam Davis getting injured in the warm-up wasn't yep. ideal. But I just watched that game and like Santi Cadero had a hat-trick and some of the tries in that game were ridiculous. 
Cameron Wilkie, I, I'll be honest, the first time I saw him play was during the autumn. I hadn't seen him before, but this kid's, I think he's 20, 21. He's going to be around for 15 years. He's world-class as it is. Um, and the same with Jali Bear. Um, like Jali Bear, Carbonell and um, Untermach, those three 10 options for France for, again, 10, 12 years is just going to be a joke. Um, it's, it's a nightmare. Like, you know, for me, that's the equivalent of like what we currently are with our scrum offs. Like you could pick Webb, you could pick Davis, you could pick um, Thomas when he's not injured. Um, obviously, any of the three, and it's the same with them. Like you could pick any of those three tens, and it not change their game plan at all. A little bit more exciting as well, though. Like you talk about our nines, but the French tens. Mm. I don't just bring in that. Say they've got that French flair that you talk mm. about in the backs, but they've got that consistency as well. Yeah. Like usually it's one or the other. Either you've got a nice, calm, consistent 10 who will just do the basics, or you've got a flare 10 who every now and again goes a bit mental. France seemed to have brought through three that can do flare and control a game. It's frightening how good France can become if they can keep players fit and get players in the right positions and playing well at the same time and not have a Scotland game. I'm excited. What's that? I said I'm excited to watch France for like yeah. every time France play. I'm just like it does always the game I'm looking forward to most of the last couple of years, and long may it continue. I hope they win that World Cup. To be honest, I really do. I'd love to see them win it. Yeah, I, I think we've been a long way from that with France. So like I've always enjoyed watching them, but never mm. liked them. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. They've never been a likable team. Yeah. Whereas now you want to watch them and you're like, yeah, I can. I, I enjoy watching these play. Uh, you want to see them do well, whereas before, unless they were playing rivals, I don't really care if they win. Yeah, unless yeah. they were playing, unless they're playing England, no one cares. I, I wanted to beat New Zealand because that's always funny, especially if it's a World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> so we move on to Sunday's games. Obviously, there was a couple. Um, Racing completely dominated Queens, and obviously, then it was a fairly tight. A fair at first in uh, Connaught and, and uh, Bristol, and then obviously Bristol took the win. The Pat Lamb Derby. Yeah, Pat Lamb Derby. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bristol Connaught. Brilliant game and a, another fantastic ending where Connaught absolutely lost their minds for some reason. Why I don't know whether didn't they kick to the post? <laughs> I, I, it's especially, 24, especially 24 hours after seeing Manchester doing what they did. And I know, granted, I was, and I, I was just, just kick it, just kick, like, you know, that losing, but I know they lost last week so you know probably a losing bonus point isn't going to do anything for them but like it's a losing bonus point the yeah. take it is there you know it, it seemed like a mad decision I know that uh, people are worried about points difference because it's going to be so tight because of the short but like a bonus point is far more important than, yeah. points, than points difference yeah. so take your bonus points because now you've got neither yeah. and so it was absolutely bizarre. and you can see the conversation happening where people are saying you know take take the points go for the post and yet he still decides to go for the corner I know they look like Ben Hills absolutely works his heart out together to make that tackle at the end and keep them out for that bonus um, I thought Sinclair had a really good game again as well his carrying was absolutely superb one point where I think he's got about four players on him and he's just pumping his legs and making ground and pumping his legs. He looked absolutely yeah. superb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. And obviously, the, the Racing game first, they just completely dominated Quinns, which is lovely to see because no one likes Quinns when they've got Mike Brown. So. 
Yeah, the only thing I wrote down for that game was Rathen just make everything look so easy. It's just they look they look like they're in training mode no matter who they're playing, even if it's a tight game, even if they're playing, you know, a really great team. And I mean I think the result of that one was never really in doubt. But I just thought like they just they all and they all look like they're enjoying it as well. Like they never look they just they're just having fun and they're they're so good. Yeah. Finn had a I thought Finn had a brilliant game and Simon Zebo as well. I think he's playing really, really well this since since um after lockdown. I think he's he's played so well and you know, looking at Ireland sometimes and like you know, maybe he wants to come home and we I, I'd like I'd like to see him play for Ireland again. I think he's playing well enough to be in that conversation if he was in Ireland. Um obviously he's not, so it doesn't really matter anyway, but I think he's playing really well and the the backs that they have and the form that they're in is ridiculous and it's going to be fun to see how they lose in the final this year. Yeah, I was going to say, I've got them down as the best team in the tournament so far. I know we're only two rounds in, but they yeah. look the best team for me. Yeah. But you you get the feeling they're going to rass in it. At some point, they're going to yeah. go full rass in and somehow blow a game that I they think, should win. I think they'll play Leinster at some stage and Leinster will just strangle them like Leinster do. And I think that will probably be it. But... They're playing so well and they're a joy to watch. They really are. They're they're kind they're like France but junior. They're like, I I want to watch them every week. I want to, you know, I want to see them play. They're the one that I'll make time to watch play. So the only thing I will say is um the phrase I use when we were talking about Pivac early on in this podcast with Wales is that rugby cyclical and we always go from playing the open game to defensive shutting teams out and then it becomes open again or mm-hmm. a kicking game or thing. We're starting to see teams open up and teams who are open up and throwing up all around win games. Yeah. So could it be the time for like that's why we're seeing French teams do so well, save for the second half against Munster. Like it's teams that are throwing a ball around and opening up a little bit to the winning games now, which mm-hmm. is perhaps the opposite of what we've seen a couple of years ago. Or even so more. maybe maybe it is the year for maybe it is the year for Racing to beat one of the big teams, beat uh, and especially now that Exeter are a bit precarious because of Rob Baxter's COVID policy of let's stop testing players. Luckily, they did still test them because there's major issues there at the minute. Yeah, exactly. Um, I wanted to just pick one thing up, picking up something you just mentioned, Patricia. Um, Zebo obviously playing in France, not being able to play for Ireland. What do you think of that rule? Like, what's the general consensus like that in Ireland? I didn't like the fact we couldn't pick the likes of Webb when he was in France for Wales. And I just see, yeah. I just the way I look at it is if you're Irish or you're Welsh, you play for that country, what doesn't matter? I think in Ireland it's always been like since since Joe Schmidt came in, Sexton being the only exception because they really couldn't do without him at the time. Mm. It's never even been a question. Like there's never been oh, but we could pick like it. No, it's just never. So it's it's not even really a conversation anymore. It's just you mm. know, players know now that if they leave, then that's you know that's their international career gone with them kind of thing. So it's not really. I like. I think Zebo would be in the conversation if he was playing in Ireland, but he isn't, so he's not. <laughs> kind of that's it's kind of it. Yeah, that's really. the way they're looking at it. I think looking back a couple of years, because there was there was a little time where like someone like Donica Ryan was flying at Rassin and couldn't get picked for Ireland, but would have done a job for Ireland. It's probably the same for Zebo now in the sense of there's a little gap there that he could come, whether it's 15 or wing or whatever. There's a gap yeah. there for him, but he, you can't pick him, which is which is a shame. I think there's players to fill. I, I, Ireland, I don't think Ireland have a problem with mm. with the number of players. I think it's just figuring out 
who they want and what kind of game they want to play and who who the fullback for that job is. I, I think that's a, the trouble that the, the few nations have got, though, isn't it? That the few teams are in transition and they don't quite know what their what their tactics are, what their players are, who fits in where at the minute. So I think the Six Nations is going to be a bit of an odd one because you would have thought the coaches will have made their mind up by then. So England are going in as the stable team. France are going in as the ones like the second year where you'd expect them to, to step it up. And then everyone else is a little bit still out, even Scotland because of so that they've had a year out with, with no tens and players missing from, from position. So it could be an open one. I said that that you know it could go any which way I think it's going to be really yeah. interesting and we'll see where Ireland go and, and how they're going to build and yeah. they've got three years then to find a way to fuck up the World Cup yeah absolutely <laughs> couldn't agree more like you know that it's a quarter final against New Zealand or France if we get out of the pool that has South Africa in it like they, they're not they're not making it easy for us or anything so <laughs> but you know what'll happen this will be the year that you do win the World Cup oh god could you imagine <laughs> Um, any other points from the weekend? Any other highlights in the games that we haven't mentioned that you, either of you want to bring up before we uh, move on to uh, laid loss there? Um, Alvarez Rapper running into the post was the most I laughed <laughs> all weekend. <laughs> the funniest thing um, I saw this weekend. I don't know what he's looking at to not notice a post. They're not small, <laughs> especially when the padding's on them. What's he looking at? It was absolutely... just it's the funniest thing I've seen. I've watched it so many yeah, times. Yeah, so it's a short clip. I've watched it so many times. <clears throat> Over to you and Steph for uh, Laid Law and Order, yeah? Yeah, so um, a regular feature where I, we debate something a little bit contentious. I generally don't know which way this one's going to go, so um, it's Laid Law and Order. Order in court. Okay, so <clears throat> let's fill uh, Patricia in on, on what the actual topic is and then we'll... Uh, I'll have a go at bashing it out first, and then you can you can come back. I, I mean, I'd, I'd probably rephrase that if I was you. <laughs> Not on camera. It's all, gone, it's all gone a little bit dirty then, so now <laughs> on Zoom. So, yeah, Patricia, you'll act as our judge for this week, so we've got to pick a topic for us to debate. So, um, the topic for this week, teams who finish in the middle tier of the Champions Cup should not go into the Challenge Cup. Okay. So, Wally, I'll let you take it away. <clears throat> okay, so I'm completely against it. Um, having this option doesn't sit right with me at all. Similar to the Champions League in football, and I don't like it there either. Um, I know that this year is different, and they need to come up with a competition that would work and be viable to allow people to have, and teams to have more games, etc. Um, what they should potentially have done is kept the pools as they are. Um, so, a, pool A and pool B. But if they're going to ha- let them continue into um, another competition, is maybe go one to eight home and away. So, if for example, if you got one to four in Pool A, they have home last 16 games against five to six in Pool B, and vice versa. And then from them, simply a straight knockout like you get in norm- any normal cup competition. Um, as it stands, I, mean, I-, I looked at it all last night, and there's some. As the- if you left it now and the, the league finishes, they are. We'd have some <clears throat> last 16 games of a Leinster at home to Gloucester, Wasps against Exeter, Bordeaux against Bristol, La Rochelle, Claremont, Leon Sale, Racing, Toulon, Toulouse, sorry, Toulouse, Edinburgh, and Munster at home to Scarlets. Um, obviously, that's another Scarlets loss there, so that'd be great. Um, the winners would then obviously get, then go through to the last eight and, and, and straight knockout. Um, letting them drop into the Challenge Cup is like giving a second chance to mediocrity for me. 
Um, I don't like it. And it isn't due to the fact that that dense kind of loose chances of winning that competition because we're not going to win it anyway. Um, it's just simply a matter, matter of principle for me. So uh, that's my argument. So first of all, I'd just like to address the absolutely shameless trying to get her on your side by saying that the Scarlet Twins lose to the Munster. That's shamelessly whoring yourself out there on that one. And you actually took away one of my points by saying the only reason you didn't want it is because it stops the Blues hands within a second-rate tournament. It's probably the only thing you can compete for. But I will say you're absolutely wrong. Because first of all, we can pretend that it's not all about the money, but rugby's not Jesse fucking J, Right. It brings in more sponsorship. It brings in fans. It keeps an interest in what's a tournament of mediocrity already. It actually raises the level because let's not pretend that the teams who are in the Challenge Cup have worked hard together because they haven't. They're just teams who weren't good enough to get into anything else. You can finish bottom of the Pro 14. You can be Zebra winning three Pro 14 games all season and you're still in the Challenge Cup. So it's not in some way impacting them. They were already shit. They were already only there because they weren't good enough to be in the top competition. It's impossible to not be in it. That's all you've got to do is exist. France and England are a little bit different. You've got to exist and not be the worst team. But still, it's not a big ask. And so what you're essentially doing is punishing the teams who were good enough to get into the Champions Cup and then draw difficult games, difficult pools, and making them bow out after three games. And your all season is then based on those three instead of dropping down a tier to play teams who are actually perhaps a little bit more on a level, teams who were the good ones, out of the shit ones. So you're not having to go to Russia to play your game, but you're actually playing teams that are games that are winnable, games that are playable where either team could come out of that winning. And at the moment, the Challenge Cup needs that gravitas. At the moment, no one gives a shit about it. The French teams don't care about the Challenge Cup, and yet there's still five out of the last ten finalists and 60% of the winners since 2015. That's how little other teams care about it. The Falcons even put out the second string. It's a format that needs refreshing and boosting, and this could be the way to do it. So I'm 100% behind it. Rugby doesn't come up with many good ideas. That's my case without sucking up. <laughs> all yours. Um, I mean, I think I'd have to agree with Steph. I think the um, the whole thing for me is how stacked Pool B is in the Champions Cup. You look at the, you know, the six or seven top quality teams in there and, you know, three or two or three of them aren't going to get through to the, to the quarterfinals. And I don't think it's fair that you're looking at, you know, maybe like the defending champions and Claremont and Munster and teams like that who are, you know, they're competing at that level and their season just ends. It kind of doesn't feel... And I think dropping a team like that into the Challenge Cup, it, it'll make people watch. I, you know, like you'd watch Exeter play in the Challenge Cup because you're like, oh, they, they shouldn't be there. Kind of, what are they going to do? And it gives those teams that are in the Challenge Cup an opportunity for an upset as well. And I, I, I think it's... I don't think it'll last past this season. I think it's just because of the year that, that rugby's had and how they've had to sort of change the format to fit the season starting you know only like, like a few weeks ago or whatever um but yeah no I think it, I think it'll work well this season yeah I think it's a welcome boost as well for those teams like if you are a team who's who's doing fairly well and but you're still in the challenge cup if you go well if we win this game we could play Scarlets we could play Munster we could play a decent team even Exeter now we're looking at being a possibility yeah, exactly. I think that's a big boost to go well actually we will try and get out of this pool because 
A, if crowds are allowed back in, that's a big money spinner. Plus, it's a little bit of being on Terry, a little bit of exposure. Plus, that sponsorship money coming in. I think mm. it's absolutely the best thing for it. I just like to point out as well a Munster esque comeback from two 0 down. I'm now leading three two on the uh, on the lead laws, so I'm more than happy. Let's move on then. Obviously, let's just touch on the Christmas derbies that we've got. So we've got Boxing Day, Zebra Benetton, Dragons Blues, Osprey Scarlets, and then the small matter of Leinster away at Munster. How do you see that one going? Um, it's one of those games that like I'm never too kind of optimistic going into because it's it's Leinster and Leinster are that kind of it's like Leinster and the All Blacks you just always think they're going to win no matter what form they're in it's like if both teams played like they did on Saturday you know Munster would run away with it but that's kind of just not really how it works um I mean I, I'm I'm hopeful that that Munster can do a job I think Saturday just gone and this Saturday are kind of the big tests for them they've had this unbeaten run and it was kind of like okay but can you do it against proper big teams, you know, away against Claremont and home against Leinster in the space of a week. It doesn't really get bigger than that. But like Munster haven't beaten Leinster for, they won this fixture in 2018. Uh, but I think they're closing that gap. You know, they were within two points that first game after lockdown. And I think it'll be a really good game. I think it'll be, uh, I think Leinster, Leinster are going to be without a lot of the players that they were without last weekend. See, Gary Ringrose isn't playing, Sexton's not playing, Caelan Doris isn't going to play. So I don't know. I could see I could see it going Munster's way, but I don't know if I'm just kind of riding a bit of a wave still from from last weekend. I could also see Leinster winning because that's what they do every other time. So I think it'll be was, an interesting one. That was far more optimistic than I ever expected from Patricia. Who, I know. You right? could see Munster playing uh, Zebra this weekend. How do you feel? And she go, I'm not feeling good. I'm not. I'm not. So it was nice to to think that yeah, it is. As you said, they keep closing that gap. Like we've had this conversation before. Like every time it seems like Munster yeah. are pushing them close but can't quite get over the line. It's only no a matter reason, of time. There's no reason they can't win. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they, they're be, they're, they seem to have found like just the form of winning games. Even, you know, there's like comebacks and then there's last minute winners and all this. It doesn't really matter how they get there. They seem to be getting there. Um, so I don't see why they can't. But it is, you know, it's, it's Leinster and it's, it's, they're, they're not easy to beat. You know, they haven't lost a Pro 14 game in like two years or something ridiculous. So I'd love it to end in Thoman Park on Saturday. I, um, I can't help but feel mentioning last minute winners was just a dig after I mentioned 2017 before we started the podcast. So I think I was well, personal. Look, I don't think, you know, Ben Healy kicked that penalty from the halfway line on the first day of the season. So that won the game. Def, obviously, the, the Scarlets are away at Ospreys, but at Clinetley, if I'm right in the latest news today. so Yeah, we're playing away at home. Yeah. So, um, which is the first time that's been said since Ryan Giggs. Um, <laughs> I, I always find something difficult to find something new to say about the Welsh derbies. They, you, you never really know which way they're going to go. Quite often, like form doesn't come into it. We saw that last year with the Dragons pulling off a couple of upsets. I struggle to give some sort of... Because I think form goes out the window. Quite often, quality goes out the window. 
I don't want to be one of those people who says it comes down to who wants it more, because I think that's very rarely actually a thing in sport. That's just a thing that we like to think. So who knows? Let's be honest. I, I'm hoping we can just get some good games out of it. I'm hoping we're not going to see those games that we often see with derbies, where it just becomes neither team wants to lose. And so it all becomes a little bit, let's try not to make a mistake and no one tries anything. Can I just We've ask, had... do, do, the, do the Welsh regions have to do the same thing that the provinces do where they their internationals aren't allowed to play all these games or are they allowed to play whoever they want? Do you I know how they, like I in think... Ireland you have to rest them for at least one or two of them, I think, one of them? I think they manage them. So I think maybe some will play potentially um, Boxing Day and then maybe miss the... Um, the New Year's the, fixtures. New, or vice versa, yeah, so maybe because... half and half. Johnny Sexton is is being given this weekend off. Like he's just he's he's not playing because of that thing where the Irish internationals don't play all of the derbies over Christmas and New Year. I know it's three games instead of two, like because you know it's four teams and stuff. But mm. um, yeah, I just I didn't know if if it's a similar thing in Wales or if they're a genuine question. Leinster not playing Sexton. Does that make you feel better or worse about that game? Um. It depends on whether or not Harry Byrne and Ben Healy are both still injured, I think, for me. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd love to see Harry Byrne versus Ben Healy. That's, that's what I wanted to see from the fixture. And obviously now it looks like neither of them are going to be fit to play, which is, which is a bit frustrating. But um, I don't think, like, you know, Sexton is still Sexton. He's still able to, to manage a game. But I'm not, I'm not like, yes, Sexton's not playing. And I'm not like, oh, no, Sexton's playing, you know? It's kind I, of, I, I, I've had a theory that sometimes Leinster look better without him, whereas I want, it, I, you see it sometimes with teams, I think, where the, when you've got this standout player, I want to say, but he's not particularly standout because Leinster's so good throughout, but when you've got such a big player that sometimes it becomes so fixated on that player, the teams kind of lose other parts around the park. And I think we've seen it from Leinster a couple of times. I know it's a bit difficult as well because Sexton perhaps hasn't had full fitness for mm. for large periods of that. But sometimes they look a little bit better in attack without him. And that's taking nothing away from Sexton because he is still one of the best tens in the world. Yeah. Without the doubt. But yeah, I was just wondering how you felt about well, that. Well, put, put it this way, I wasn't that bothered either way when I read that Sexton wasn't playing, but I was, um, I did feel a little bit better seeing that Gary Ringrose wasn't playing. I hope, he, I yeah. obviously hope he's not, you know, too badly injured, like the Six Nations coming up and stuff. I'm not wishing injury on him or anything. But when I saw Ringrose as Edward Munster, I was like, that, that was more, that felt that felt like more of a bit of an edge than not a small yay. Yeah. <laughs> small yay. <laughs> and then a, a similar situation for the Blues, I think, because we are off to our second home that we've used this season on, in Newport um, to play the Dragons. But um, you never know what to make of those games because you look at, on, on paper and you think, well, Blues should should win that game. But there's been so many times we've gone to um, Ronnie Braden and come up, come up stuck. So I, I think it'll be close. I mean, it'll probably a tight game. One of the Derbies that you don't want to watch and probably edge it by sort of five to seven points either way. But well, it's going to be an interesting one because I think a lot of it will depend on how many players Dragons have got out, like what the COVID situation is and what the injury situation is. That they've been, like, they weren't particularly competitive this week, but that's hardly surprising given the disruptions they had. The Wasps game, I thought they were competitive enough mm. for the team that they had out for last minute changes. I think if they had, I, I said this as well, that they, if they had had those players started, if they'd had that depth, even if it was just those players on the bench, mm-hmm. 
they may have had enough to challenge Wasps for the full 80, whereas they kind of dropped off. And then Aaron Jarvis, uh, Roman Poit added in his head that, that he wasn't winning any of those scrums, so he wasn't going to win any of those scrums regardless of what he did. So I think if they'd had Leon Brown made to come on, or at least to have made that change a little bit earlier, then they may have got something out of that game or at least pushed them a little bit closer. So it'll be interesting to see who the Dragons have got available. The Blues is really difficult to see where they are because obviously this weekend there's no there was no game. And then last weekend, a good win, but against the second string Falcons team. Mm. They played the Newcastle Pigeons. It'll be interesting to see because it'll depend. I think it's hard to see where the team is, so it should be a good benchmark mm. if both teams have got a full 15 out to say, okay, we can actually see where they are now. Hopefully they are. There are two full fifteens. I don't know if Blues will go similar to last week when they mix and match them. We seem to have a lot of people missing in our forwards at the minute because even though you look at back row and the likes of both of them, Shane Lewis, who's obviously played in the autumn, neither have played the last couple of weeks and were in the squad this week. Gwyn and Bradley, I think, played a couple of games and he wasn't in the squad this week. So it's, it's weird to see that you've got supposedly a, a lot of riches there in the back row for the Blues, but they don't seem like we had with someone playing at eight who I've never even heard of, and then Sam Moore on the bench. Um, who supposedly was the, the the next big thing when we signed him at the uh, end of last season. So, uh, yeah, I don't know how it's going to go with the Blues, but um, it's typical Blues season. You never know what's going it, to... It's it's like you like the French team. You don't know which side's going to turn up on it when you watch Scarlet Blues. That's another pound. I know, that's why I said it. Um, because you, you generally can't call it. You can, you, they can be full strength and they get walloped and they be a terrible team on paper and win. So it's um, I'm not expecting much for anything we get over the bonus thing. We're ready to move on? Yeah. So it's that time again. It is time for the As Yet Unnamed Quiz of the Week. You know how every time you read a news article about a woman who's got a famous boyfriend, mm. it instantly becomes about that boyfriend, like mm. she's not a woman in her own right. Mm. Well, we're going to fucking flip that, right? And I'm going to give you the name of some girlfriends and you're going to tell me who the rugby player is. Oh. <laughs> now, obviously, when I set this up, it was set up for three people. Yeah, uh, yeah. We, we've had uh, to lose one, so uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you're feeling okay and get well soon. Yeah, okay. um, can you guess these players by the romantic connections we'll call them that they've had or rumored to have had? If they've married said person, then I've gone with the maiden name because obviously okay. it would be a little bit too easy otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> shout yeah. out your name and yeah. uh, we'll give Patricia the point. So we're going to start off with perhaps the strangest one. And it's just one person in this thing. So, Shailene Woodley. Oh, I know that one. Ben Volavala. It is Ben Volavala. Absolutely bizarre. Two people that I still don't understand. Apparently, she was filming in Fiji. That's how we started. They were together for ages as well. They were together for a long yeah. time. Yeah. And and I, more, no, they split up in April this year, apparently. Mm. Yeah, because she was, you know, she was watching. I, I think she watched the game with Reese Witherspoon. I remember her... Um, <laughs> Texting Reese Witherspoon, who was watching the Fiji game, going, "Oh my God, what's going on? You know, where's Ben? What's he doing?" Kind of thing. So, absolutely brilliant. It's one of my favourite stories. I absolutely yeah. love it. And Ben Valavola has got better and better as well. So, absolutely love that one. Are we ready for number two? Glenda Gilson and Amy Uberman. Oh, yeah, I know that. Oh, I gotta give it to Patricia. Yes, Irish legend and Warren Gatland's third favourite outside centre. Brian O'Driscoll, you need a fight back. Yeah. Number three, Abby Blaney, Christina Rianoff. Yeah. She of Strictly yep. fame. Yeah. Go on then, is it? Yeah. Ben Cohen. Go on then. 
it is gay icon, anti-homophobia hero, and the man who found out the hard way who Shane Williams is, is Ben Cohen. He's pulled one back. Right, number four, Jackie Smith. Not that one. Una Ely. Oh, I know right. that one. Go on, Patricia. Ben, ben Forden. It's Love Rat and one third of a horrific tri-star. <laughs> truly horrific tri-star. When I stick it to rugby boys, it is Ben Foden. So, number five. Katie Johnson. Deborah Casimiro. Lauren Jameson. Are we going to time out on that one? Yeah, I have no idea. Not a clue. It's Love Rat. Tit Loving Binger and indeed Bonger of Boobs, Max Evans. <laughs> Lauren James, you right, remember, whose brother threatened him famously. Are we ready for the next one? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Jessica Lounders, Kagi Dunlop, which is apparently a real name, Kelly Brook, oh, Neville Shea Singer, Patricia, Tom Evans. It is Tom. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't going to say him anyway. It was, yeah, you could have been Danny Cipriani yeah. either, didn't he? Yeah. With Kelly Brook as well. The bigger brother in more ways than one, if you listen to Max, Tom with an H. Evans. Number seven, Ali Cocaine, Julia Smith, Lady Diana, Princess of Wales. Ryan. Yeah. Will Carlin. It is Bumchin, Blobby Tackler, Will Carlin. He's still close. In the last two rounds, as we know, there's always a surprise. So, Felicia Field Hall, she's back again, Kelly Brook. Helen Skelton for a Guardian feature, and Chloe Maidley. Ryan, ask. Yeah, it is. COVID music on his DJ set. Hang on, hang on. Tom Evans, Danny Cipriani, and Haskell, Kelly Brook. So uh, you can see his you can see his wang and only fan soon. This James Haskell. No, I think the, so, I think the word you need to use, Steph, is as we used last week, Todger. Is yeah, that, that wasn't me. That was so who said Todger. <laughs> So the next two rounds, I'm going to mix it up a little bit to keep it interesting, although it is quite close. It's 4-3 to Patricia as we go into the last two rounds. So for the next two, I'm going to give you a list of people. We're going to start with five points, and with each one, it's going to reduce by one point. Oh, okay. You can only guess once, and if you have a guess, you can't guess the same as another player's already guessed. Okay. So we're we ready for this? Yeah. So be careful when you jump in. So, for five points, Katie Wilson, Katie Price, Carrie Ann Barrow, Susie Amy, Charlotte Church. Brian. Yep. Henson. I forgot to say one... my name. <laughs> you put your hand up. <laughs> I put my hand up. <laughs> yep, for one point, it's Wales's favourite spray tanned legend and Carl Fern's favourite punch bag. It's big Gav, Gavin Ensign. So final round, which uh, Patricia, as we said, is a, a Munster and an Island fan, so she's not sure what final rounds feel like. <laughs> but we're going to start at the top. We're going to start. I like that 10. one. Ten. We're going to start for ten points, and we're going to work our way slowly through the list. Can I just check maths? Is it four four? It is indeed four all. So this one could win it, which makes the old ten points thing. Utterly pointless. <laughs> Are we ready? Yeah. Yeah. So for 10, Jasmine Waltz, 
She's back again, Katie Price, Sophie Graydon, Lara Bingo. She's had more rugby action than the COVID Cup did, Kelly Brook. Patricia. Yes. Danny Cipriani. I'll keep going with the others and then we'll find out. Victoria Rose, Lindsay Lohan, Caroline Flack, Kirsty Gallagher, and Monica Cheeky, which I believe is a real name of the Cheeky Girls. It is Old Golden Wrists himself, Danny Cipriani. Yeah. So our winner for the week, as I guessed probably would be, but much closer than I thought, Patricia. Well then. Something tells me these uh, these quizzes are going to get stacked against me, I think so. Well, you've got to get them right. <laughs> I just uh, I'd say I'd done some some research there and just before we leave this behind uh, one of the research I did there was a picture of Lara Bingle who was an Australian model and Danny Cipriani and it was a really nice picture and underneath the caption said Australian model Lara Bingle fell in love with Danny but then he dumped her and I thought that was very much I took a turn very quickly <laughs> so yeah Patricia well done winner of the as yet unnamed quiz of the week so, only one place to go after that, and then Steph, and that's uh, winners and wankers. My wankers for this week, I'm sure some of you will have guessed one of them, is uh, not the government, but Toulon and Bath for the absolute farce that's being created around this game. Uh, not only ruining my birthday, it was absolutely ridiculous that they didn't question anything, look at anything if they had an issue before they got there, to leave the ground an hour before kickoff and forfeit the game was absolutely ridiculous. I get that these are different times, but Jesus Christ, let's, let's have conversations and try and work out if you've got any issues. And my other wanker this week is Sam Parry's knee, because Jesus Christ, man, I, did, I didn't need to see that. But I, I feel really sorry for the boy when he's, he's playing well and, you know, in that Welsh set of playing international rugby, was a, a shame to see. Patricia, yours? Um, the only one I had was everyone involved in refereeing and punditry for the Leinster Northampton game for apparently it's fine to yeah. wham someone's face with your shoulder if his face is the only bit of him available um maybe just don't hit him like that would have been an option would have been yeah. to you know not hit him um I, it was ridiculous the, the refereeing of it was ridiculous to for it to have not even been a penalty I mean it was as clear as day a red card and for the punditry teams on Channel 4 and on BT Sport, with everything that's you know going on about concussion at the moment, to be saying, well, that's just a rugby incident. You know, there's nothing in that. I really don't think that there was any need for the TMO to call that back and all. It was it was just ridiculous. It was such a farce. I thought. Yeah, agreed. Um, I had I had Toulon as well. Um, <clears throat> I also put Claymont because all credit to Munster, but to be at home, 28-90, was it 28-9 after 24 minutes, 25 minutes. Yep. They shouldn't lose that game, should they? Let's be honest. They, sh- they should. No, All credit to the Munster, obviously. They deserve the win in the end. But my big one was actually Scott Hastings. Because Scott Hastings was on commentary for the Bordeaux Dragons game. And I know people get names wrong, but he called Jack Lamb Pat the whole game. Every, 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 every time you got the ball, out to Pat Lamb, out to Pat Lamb. He did well this pass. And I just think you're paid to do a job, get the names right. I get pronunciation, and there was an issue where, like, he announced he couldn't pronounce Anairin because obviously the player that was on the Dragons bench and Maximi, I think, the 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 second um, second row for Dragons, but Jack Lamb's not hard. Like, and you should know the difference between Jack and Pat Lamb. Like, all game, every single time he touched the ball. I seen the build up 
to that game. Mm. And he called him Pat a few times then. And I yeah. thought it was me because I was sort of half, he was on in the background. And I thought, I thought I had got it wrong. I jewed it wrong. But yeah, that's a great shot. What was particularly telling as well is that uh, Rack has got a really one year because if you can run full pelt into a post and not be one for the week, yeah. he's got away. He's absolutely got away with one there. Exactly. Um, Patricia, you're winning. Um, I wrote down every monster player's name, even the ones that weren't playing, just all of them. But if just a few of them in particular, obviously Josh Richardy, we spoke about. Um, Damien Dialende, I thought he had a brilliant mm-hmm. game. I think he's he hasn't had a bad game all season. He's turning out to be just a, an exceptional signing. I'm really excited to keep watching him. And I do want to say again, JJ Hanrahan, because you know he didn't play all that well last week. Um, you know, I'm there was every you know a bit, bit of media in the week saying, oh, how are Munster going to do this without Ben Healy? And I can imagine for someone like JJ, that must be difficult to see this this kid that's still in the academy and kind of people are writing you off because he's not playing. But I thought he had, I thought he controlled the game really well. Um, obviously off the platform, his forwards gave him 24 points off the tee. Like he, he made the difference. And even though he missed touch with a couple of penalties, which made me want to rip my hair out. Um, I still thought he still thought he had a really good game overall. And thankfully those, those missed penalties uh, didn't come back to haunt monster. So JJ Hanran, he's my winner this week, I think. Yeah. I think um, everyone wants to watch Damien Dialende a bit more, even if it's not playing rugby, because he he's a beautiful man. But not he's everyone a, has has a man crush on him like you do, Steph. But well, then uh, everyone else is wrong. <laughs> yeah. he, is, he is a beautiful man, to be fair. The, the he's fact, playing really well. <laughs> the fact that he plays rugby well is just a bonus. Um, <laughs> my winners for this week, I've got Josh Witchley down as well. Um, and I'll try and say that properly. I've got Josh Witcherly down as well. Um, I thought he was absolutely superb to come in as a young lad into a game like that. Mm. And, and not just all your own, but in the end, he, he looked dominant at that scrum, was absolutely superb. And yeah. my other winners was every team who started slowly, because seemingly that's how you win a game now. Yeah. Start, don't, don't start quick. Yeah. You've got to start slow and build up. And that includes um, Saracens women, who were 12 points behind come back and won a seven bonus points win on the bounce now without any financial skull degree or uh, creating any killer viruses. So fair play to them. Um, mine, I, I wrote down uh, Munster. I wrote down Alfie Barbary. Um, oh, yeah. As, as an individual. Um, there was, I, I, last week I put a, a nice one down there about the, uh, the fish and chip shop in Cardiff giving out um, food and being open on Christmas Day for NHS workers and stuff. Um, I've got a, a sort of two similar ones to that actually as well. That I picked up on Twitter this week. One actually, Steph, you noticed, which is the um, Capital South Wales Radio tweeting out. Obviously, yeah. if there's anyone that's got mm-hmm. any mental health issues, etc., or going to be lonely at Christmas, obviously DM and and they'll be on hand to to, to message and chat to. Um, and the other one, which I know we've touched on before, a couple of weeks ago, um, was last night uh, Matt Ratana uh, getting the Young Sung Hero Award for the BBC Sports Personality of the Year. Um, obviously, he did lots for East Grinstead Rugby Club before he was obviously quite tragically killed in London. So, um, they were my winners for this week. I purposely didn't add him in because I knew that you'd want to do that one. Because yeah. um, when I came up last night, uh, I knew that. So, I, I purposely left that one out. But, um, yeah, absolutely. Superior. And again, another good week of rugby despite all the, the games that we're missing. Uh, I think there were some, would have been some absolute crackers in there that we've missed out on. But Jesus Christ, the ones that were left were more than enough to entertain us for a weekend, weren't they? And, yeah. and filled about an hour and a half of, of chat. Yeah, again. Every week we say, oh, we'll, we'll cut it down a little bit this week. We'll do it a little bit shorter, so it's no. not happening. No, I don't. 
think there's only one thing left to do then, Steph, isn't it? Yeah, uh, big thank you. Thank you to everyone listening. Thanks to Patricia for coming on. Thanks, thanks again, for having Oh, no problem at all. You're always welcome back. Um, I thanks again, Wolf, for doing all the technical stuff that you do to get it on as well as coming on. Yes, yeah, so no uh, there literally wouldn't be a podcast without you. Yeah, cheers all. Uh, I don't know if we'll be putting another one out before then. So Merry Christmas to everyone and enjoy what you can as best you can. That's a strange one, but let's make it an enjoyable one. Cheers all. Cheers. Take care. You've been listening to Rock and Roll in association with health and adversity, tackling mental health together. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.